The recession may be coming, but what impact is this going to have in medtech? And most importantly, what is this going to mean for you? Everyone is paying more for everything, and inflation is a real factor for your clients. A slowdown in consumer confidence is a real issue that will have a trickle-down effect that will impact many modalities. Discretionary income is going to be a factor across budgets for both corporations and consumers. And now for today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy. The recession is coming. What's the big deal? So today we are talking about the recession. Is there going to be one? Um, is there already one? And if there is one, does it even affect uh, the med tech industry? So uh, that's what we're talking about today. And we've got four people here to um, peruse that particular subject for experts. Barbara Strain from Strain Consulting. We've got Scott Alexander from Gyrus Micromarketing and Skender Darity from the Clinician Exchange, including myself, Ted Newell from Medical Device Success. So um, let's take it. Is is the recession or the potential of recession an issue for med tech? Who's I'm first? Gonna, I'll, I'll jump in because uh, I was want to raise this up. So, you know, we talk to a lot of companies and um, do marketing both for <coughs> med, God bless you, uh, med tech um, companies as, uh, to administrators and doctors and that sort of thing, as well as we have a whole direct to patient side. And so we really have to pay attention to kind of what's going on with the overall macro economy. I, I, I think, and I'm not a sky's falling kind of a guy, but I think that we're going to see a pretty significant recession given the, the inflation that we have going on, um, the uh, sort of the, the Fed responding with raising rates. I, I think we're going to see a slowdown in um, consumer confidence, which is going to impact elective procedures, right? So, you know, if you're thinking about... Um, you know, if you're in the, I'll just say the, the dental space, because that comes to mind, right? So if you're doing dental implants, you're manufacturing dental implants, you should really be aware of the fact that like procedure volume will probably go down. If you're in orthopedics, right? Other, other kinds of conditions where um, there's a, a significant um, uh, patient pay side, right? Particularly as we've seen high deductible plans going up. I think if people can delay for a year, they're going to Kind of like, and and then and then get a rebound. So it's a little bit of like, what? How's that going to hit? And then when is it going to hit? That I think we should at least be prepared for. So I, I think one of the biggest hits is just in the impact on discretionary income, right? In any which way you look at it, right? As general expenses start to rise, the ability to spend discretionary income, whether it be on the person, the company, whatever it may be, is being challenged. And I think as I'm talking to clients, that's the thing that they're most starting to wrap their heads around. We, we came out of this COVID world and people were all excited to get back out there, go to conferences, go to see people, travel around, schedule meetings, get back on planes. And now all of a sudden it's, well, we're going to do more virtual meetings and more virtual calls, not because of COVID, but because we're cutting back on expenses. And, and I want to back up just a little bit and talk about when we say elective procedures, you know, what do we mean? And the reason I asked the question is I always thought of an elective procedure as like a plastic surgery procedure, something cosmetic. But when COVID came up and they talked about hospitals um, uh, delaying or shutting down elective procedures to make sure that they had the capacity to handle COVID, 
then it was became very clear the elective procedures meant a lot more than that. So elective mm -hmm. procedures are, um, I don't know, Barbara, if you want to tackle that, you know, what's the range of elective procedures? Well, basically, it's not emergent, right? You're going to go in and, you know, my hip hurts, my knee hurts, something, your shoulder, whatever. They're going to try a variety of things before they say, okay, you must have surgery because you're going to lose mobility or whatever. So elective is I elect to have my surgery done and I'm going to be off and I can, I can schedule it for some time in December because we used to get a lot of electives in December or November because you could take holidays and that sort of thing. So it's not emergent. You're not going to, it's not life-threatening. It's not going to be deformative, that sort of thing. So it can be hips and knees, uh, sometimes shoulders. That's a little more problematic as far as range of motion, you know, mice and doing all that stuff. But um, some eye surgeries may be elective. Like I was told I need cataract probably in some time. And as long as I can still sort of see having a needle come in my eye is not very exciting, <laughs> but you know, those sorts of things. So it, it's, it's gotta be something that's really going to affect your health to have more emergently that you can't really put off and arrange to, I want this surgeon or I want it at this center or at this hospital or whatever. Okay, so then, then if we go back to what Scott and Skinner were just saying, which is, you know, the the impact of inflation of of a recession on people's uh, disposable income, uh, then that starts to have a downward pressure. And I'll, I'll have to admit that when we first were thinking about this subject, one of my first reactions was that the provider systems already under tremendous pressure. Even before we even started thinking about a recession, they're under all this tremendous human resource pressure for costs. But now that you guys mention it, I can I can see, you know, even if it's only, um, let's say you take shave off five percent of the marketers, or not that much, just five percent of the market or eight percent of the market due to people holding back, you have a big problem. Yeah. I mean, you figure that the average health system has an operating margin of 2.2%, right? That's, and that number is a little old, so it may be lower now. And it's really hips, knee, it's, it's ortho and cardiac that, that drives a lot of that profitability. Um, yeah, you lose some of your orthopedic volume, right? That, that hospital is being challenged. Right. Um, and I, I think your point, again, we're, not to be a total doomsdayer, but, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of pressure hitting health systems and it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, so yeah. then the question becomes, and I don't want to segue too quickly, but the question becomes, what do you do about it? Um, and, you know, none of us here are fans of just like throwing up our hands and waiting for, uh, do you guys ever see um, uh, the never ending story? There's like the big nothingness yes. or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So there's like the, the nothing that was coming in and eating things sure. like Right, a Treyu and all that, like you know, a little blowback to to the '80s with Top Gun as well. So, um, right, th th that's not we're not going to sit there like the rock guy and like wait for that. Um, we recommend doing something about it, and I think the thing to do about it is to figure out how do you help a health system that's having significant downward pressure uh, on their PNL, both from a cost standpoint, so cost of staffing is going way way high, and revenue pressure. What do you do to come in to be 
the white knight, all right, the white horse, whatever that was. Um, I think that's the question that companies need to be thinking about in this context of a more challenging economic environment. And, and before we answer that question, I want to go back to something Skinner just said a second ago. So let's just hold that, Scott. You know, what are you going to be as a company to be like the white knight or just to maintain your profitability, maintain your position in the market? So we'll come back to that. But Skinner made a comment that I thought was pretty interesting uh, on the company side, on the med tech side, due to inflation, there are some of these expenses like travel expenses. I was blown away at the cost of airfare uh, to go to a meeting the other day. And okay, so now we're getting this pushback, like companies are going to say, well, we don't need to send so many people. Um, do booths get smaller? Does um, Do we go back a little bit more to virtual and so on. So that's on the company side. We have the inflationary expenses that affect our company, you know, the companies. So before we white knight it, mm -hmm. uh, on the provider side, the the sort of the yin and yang of that whole meeting thing is, if I'm a supplier, new med tech, uh, trying to get FaceTime with providers. The providers on the other side are either not getting permission to go anywhere because of cost or because of low staffing. So it's that balance between how many leads might I get at a meeting? So they're really looking at where am I going to see the best sort of um, provider turnout? So it's going to balance what I'm spending. So those meetings that are sort of subsidized by the meeting itself, like GPO meetings, breakthroughs was just held, uh, they're just getting over a lot of attendance for providers. I know a lot of them who drove rather than fly, you know, various, you know, ways to do things, but providers are subsidized to go there. So when the suppliers go, they're going to get a lot of leads. Same thing with Health Connect Partners, ID in summits, those sorts of meetings in which the providers are incentivized to go. So you kind of have to look at what meetings are you planning on going to and what are those budgets for that? And you need to pick and choose very appropriately so that every attendee is a really good lead. And so you have to know how to do that sort of thing. The second part is before we do white night it, we're not losing sight of it, is um, find out from a tech world, either a current supplier or new, again, voice the customer, find out what they are doing, what are their pain points and things. So it's not like, oh, well, I know that things opened up in January, so I'm just trying to schedule appointments and everything. Those folks are all tied up with back orders, recalls, when they're getting in substitutes or like items and things, those prices are not contract prices. And even some of their contract prices have gone up. So the pressure continues to mount in a world that's still trying to recover. So it's very difficult. Hey, Barbara, amongst your brethren in value analysis, how many of them are actually doing value analysis work? Right it's now. still low. There are folks, there are folks, small percentage, never really quit, but what they did was very low. Then there are some that were waiting until this summer, 
but then all these other things are hitting. So there's still some, and they're pretty good large IDNs that have still have the reins on. Some of them aren't looking at anything new. They're just trying to stabilize. But a lot of them are looking at, because I'm not doing you know, single source contracts anymore, they're trying to look at how can I do tier one, tier two, how can I get some stability in there where I can? So it's still a mixed bag. It hasn't changed a lot. So, so what I'm hearing you say, everybody say is that these pressures, whether they're inflationary and or recessionary, mm -hmm. um, if you go back, if you go to the clinician side, like you were just talking about meetings that providers go to, but if you go to the clinician side and you think of a, a like a five member orthopedic practice or urological practice or whatever, and they're thinking about who's going to go to the meeting in the fall. Now they're squeezed because it's so much more expensive to go. Cause I was, I was originally sort of um, I attended my first meeting in May and I thought, oh, there's some hope. Even though it was a 50% attendance versus pre-pandemic, I still thought people like this. People like being back. There's hope. I think we'll see it. I think we'll see the meeting attendance continue to grow through the year. But now I'm thinking uh, these are there's going to be some breaks put on this a little bit. And so that's another side of I think is the 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 medical attendees, the physicians and yeah. other other healthcare professionals i mean not only is the the price of airline tickets you've seen now airlines pull out of markets small markets because they can't afford it i got caught up in the conundrum last friday where all the cancellations thursday i was backed up at a major airport for a six-hour delay course miss any connections except the last one and I was the third to last person that made that last flight out only because you know the gate agent did a really great job but I've had to wait for pilots to come in from another airport it's terrible and um, what you see on tv is is real and what's happening and and traveling and things so if you think you're just going to hop on a plane in that afternoon be where you need to be you can't. So there's more hotel expense and all that other thing. So we can go to the white night. Now. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say time <laughs> to go. Like, so we, is, we, I'm getting sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, but the, the important thing is we've, I think we've pretty clearly defined the, the problem from whether you're on the provider side, you're on the, the physician side and then the med tech side and how it all sort of comes together. Okay. So now you're in the driver's seat of, uh, of, of important function in a med tech company, whether the, you're the CEO or VP of sales, VP of marketing, uh, whatever it might be, what are you, what are you thinking about doing to, to hold your position in the market to make progress or whatever? So, okay. White Knights, Scott, you want to, you have some thoughts on that? <clears throat> no. Uh, I just like to, I like to raise problems. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so I've delayed long enough. Here's, here's the things that I would think about, right? So um, shots on goal will probably go down, which means that you need to, you need to hit the ball right when you get the chance. Um, one of the things that we're advocating to our clients and having conversations about is what are the value propositions that we bring and how do we tighten those up? Um, because 
if, if you're in a situation where you're trying to get someone's attention in an environment where there's huge cost constraints, they're being bombarded, they may be pulled, being pulled back onto the floor, like Barbara, you were kind of mentioning, like there's a lot of pressure on these folks. You need to be succinct and the reason why you should listen to me, right? So that's kind of number one. And then, uh, and this is kind of my, my philosophy in general, but I think, I think you need, as a company, if I'm chief revenue officer or chief marketing officer for a startup, it's, it's to think about how do I increase the volume of touches that I'm getting with people with my beautiful value propositions to get them to say, hey, this is actually worth me paying attention to. Um, I think all too often we talk with you know, a VP of marketing who maybe didn't grow up in the new environment that we're in right now. And he's like, well, we sent a couple of emails. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And you need to send more and you need to think about how do you establish a broader presence? What are you doing on LinkedIn? How are you, how are you creating these kinds of touch points so that people see you more often? Um, and, and I mean, to some degree, sales and marketing and sort of downstream go-to-market stuff is a numbers game. And really the thing we're saying is your percentages are going to go down. So if you need to maintain the same bottom line, you need to up the, the touches that you're doing. So anyway, that's the thing that I would think about those, those two things. Yeah. I'll piggyback off that. So our SMB, our small and medium-sized clients, I've been advising them to go small. And basically it's like, you can provide a whole lot more value to the smaller institutions, the smaller hospitals. Everybody is trying to gain favor with the Mass Generals and the Hopkins of the world. And it's going to be harder and harder for small companies to emerge and create value there. So rather than continue to do that, if you've got a, if you're a small organization, and you want to get some wins. Yes, it may not be enough for what you were looking for to hit your overall projections, or maybe you just need that many more institutions to hit your overall projections. But in this type of environment to sit there and be like, I'm going to wait for Hopkins to open up their value analysis program. Cause I was told I'm on the next one in July. Well, that July, Harbor <laughs> didn't tell you a year. It could be, could be July, 2025. Uh, you don't know. So therefore, go to some of the smaller institutions that maybe some of the bigger guys aren't giving them as much love. Be more selective about your targets. Mm. Find ways to create value with those that need it the most. Solidify your positioning there. And then eventually your, your opportunity and your overall target market will start to expand itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody is saying, I want to get into the IDNs. I want to get a, because they think they can have, you know, 50, 85 hospitals, whatever. They're going to really make their money back and everything. It, it, I agree with you, Skinder. They, they got to diversify and they're still got to think about those pivots. You know, hospital at home, AI and wearables and all of the mobile health and things that, you know, hospitals are turning to because that's the way they can cut their costs in the big white building and then move things out and other and touch patients because there are rural hospitals closing right and left in the hundreds. So there's Skinner's kiddo, right? So um, mine were like banging outside the door, but which is which is good. That, the other thing I was going to mention, uh, and we talked about this a couple months ago, and I feel like I feel like it's like crisis after crisis after crisis. So we've like forgotten about um, this massive supply chain issue uh, that, that the world is going on. And I guess that's miraculously fixed, but assuming that it's not, um, I think as you think about what you can bring to the table, 
it's not just the value of like, hey, here are the features and benefits of my particular device, but also my supply chain and my customer support. And Skender Dirty brought this up the other day about my ability to bring staff into your facility to do training and support the product and that sort of thing. Like th there are value propositions that can be brought to bear that are outside of the actual product that can and will win you business. Uh, and so you do have to kind of take the blinders off a little bit, spend a little time thinking about what's it like to be inside a health system, maybe talk to some people in there and just in a non-selling context to understand what their life is like, and then build your value proposition around what they need. And that's, that'll drive a lot of business. And begin with the end in mind. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you know, right now there, there are back orders on things like Tyvek pouches, which I don't know how many people know. Tyvek is associated with so many wrappings around virtually every tray that is out there, right? So any surgical tray, procedural tray, et cetera, are having back orders, not because of the products in the packaging, but the actual packaging itself is on a global, like dire straits back order. Um, and from what I understand, and I only know this loosely, there's only one or maybe two other potential vendors that can provide an alternative and clearly they don't have the volume just ready. So therefore, if you have something, try to approach it, not from a used car salesman, hey, I've got something you need and you know, now it's worth, 100x what I was going to charge you before, do it from with a large end in mind and think about, I'm going to do it by the right way. And if I provide you this value today, hopefully you remember that tomorrow. Do you think Mike Spruduti, the Ziploc King is out there seeing this as like the great, <laughs> greatest opportunity in the world? Not, that's why he's not here today. Yeah, he's like, guys, I can't make it. I got it. I got to put in a couple of Ziplocs are all set. <laughs> he's, been, he's been hoarding Ziplocs for 15 years waiting for this moment. That's right. But that's you're right, right Skinder, because people don't think about, and this is what I try to remind my clients is you can sell something, but if you don't have the capacity to actually deliver it because you don't have a package, a box, whatever it is, or the cargo carrier or the train, plane, automobiles, you know, whatever that is, you've got to look at absolutely every part of your verticals within your companies, as well as the providers have to look at everything. What about holding the business that you have at all costs? I mean, being in a defensive position is a great position. Somebody's trying to take business from you, mm -hmm. but don't take it for granted. Make And this sort of goes back to what uh, Scott, you and Skender were just suggesting that you would, you know, to offer customers something and to offer the customers you currently have, you know, what are your problems? Do you need more training? You've got some, do you have a lot of turnover? Do I need to have people in there to, to help you do training? Some clinician experts, maybe, somebody needs to talk to Skender, get some help from the clinician exchange. Um, I don't know, but hold the business you have at all costs and while you're trying to grow, maybe, maybe you need to divide your team up a little bit of customer success to hold the business, customer sales to gain new business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Warren Buffett's a pretty smart guy, and he says the best way to, the best way to make money is first of all not to lose money. Yeah. And um, I th I think it's true, right? Like if you're running, you're CEO of a med tech company, or you're you know heavily involved in revenue in some capacity, 
any dollar you lose is a dollar you have to gain back. Um, and, and so Barbara, you brought up the point, and I think it's a great one that like, go talk to people, figure out what their needs are. Well, the easiest people to talk to hopefully is uh, someone who's already buying from you, right? To be able to sit down and say, Hey, look, we want to make sure we're taking care of you in this hard time. Walk me through a day. Like what's the challenge? What are the challenges that you're experiencing? Not just as it relates to our widgets, but to your, your day to day. Mm-hmm. And then use that as key insight into how you go and approach others, um, either in you know, new outreach where you're reaching out, hey, Steve, we understand there's a lot of challenges for people like you with these kinds of situations, but also to people you already have relationships with. Mm-hmm. And the, the, thing, the thing that I think separates the winners from the losers in this kind of an environment is the ability to be agile and adaptive to understanding the needs of the customer. Mm-hmm. So do that, spend some time understanding what are the needs of the customer and then align what you have to their needs, right? You have a staffing issue, guess what? We will figure out a way to help you with your staffing issue. You have supply chain issues and you have to cancel cases, which we know is happening. We will do our absolute darndest to make sure that we can take care of you, right? You need to use our product in this, but man, we're here to help. And that sort of servant mentality, I think is really the hallmark for success in these kinds of challenging situations. And you might find in accounts where you're sharing the business with somebody that you actually gain on somebody that's not paying the same attention. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember years ago uh, challenging a pretty large sales force you know, to do their um, calculations for the next year's sales. You know, mm-hmm. what are you forecasting for next year? And you know, sales forces always complain that if it was top down, that you didn't understand them, that you're asking them to you know, to do too much to get like a 10 for 10% or 15 or 30% growth, or whatever it was per product line. So when those reps did it, what, was, what blew me away was they came in with ridiculous amounts of growth. The reason why they assumed they weren't going to lose any business. And that was the big, that was the big issue. And when you looked at their, <laughs> what they came up with, you said, are you kidding me? You think you're going to have this kind of growth? it's because they didn't think they're going to lose any business. And the reason I bring that up is you can't just take your sales team's word for granted that, Oh, don't worry about X, Y, Z customer. They're in the bag. I'll spend more time elsewhere. You can't do that. You have to talk to every customer and find out how you can help them, what you need to do to hang on to them. Well, that's what happened first off during all the height of COVID is that sales reps might have been, you know, furloughed or whatever, because everybody that wasn't involved in like PPE was kind of on the sidelines. But my colleagues that I talked to across the country then were losing support that they used to rely on from the reps who helped to solve problems for them or helped to do training or were there and you didn't realize how much you really depended on that representative that was doing that extra you know, services and TLC. So um, the, the providers really do count on people being attentive. And now more than ever, because it's not just PPE and whatever, it's every single day, Every meeting I'm on, someone says, I've got a list so long of products and, you know, uh, a large percentage of them 
are very almost life-threatening that I'm not going to get. And they're still just racking their brains over how, how can we fix this? So what, what I've heard so far is uh, one, I think this came from Scott, is digital touch points. Make sure you're staying top of mind with your customers so that they know that you're there to help them, that you're offering some solutions. These can be whether it's a newsletter, emails, LinkedIn, whatever it might be. Um, so digital, digitally stay top of mind. From Skender, I was hearing, don't take the small um, uh, and medium-sized customers for granted. Get out there. That might be a place where you can gain some momentum, gain some um, share where the big boys aren't paying as much attention to them. Is that correct, Skender? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we're also talking about defending the position you have. Now, for a small company that's really relying on growth, maybe that's not so great. For, but for a medium-sized company, you know, you don't want to lose anything that you have. And Barbara was just saying that part of that equation might be the salespeople that you had in the field. So in a sense, you can't take your sales team for granted. If, if, if they've been doing their job, if the customers rely on them, you may need to um, be careful about any cuts that you might be thinking about making. Um, so what else have we got? And what, what have I missed? Well, I think it's, I know you get a, a podcast last week and sorry, I was, I, I missed it. I heard it was really great about, you know, um, uh, how do you gain, you know, money if you're brand new? Where do you look for investors and things? But the cost of money has gone up. And how is that really changing? Because it's more expensive for everything. If you think we're having trouble finding things on shelves in stores, um, hospitals, it's, it's even worse. So I think it's important to understand that everybody's paying more for everything. So you've got to, I was sitting at a, at a meeting about six weeks ago. And so people are still talking about, well, you know, we cleared, you know, X millions of dollars last year and made it. I said, yeah, but that's in 2022 dollars, which <laughs> doesn't mean you sold more widgets or had more services or whatever. It's just how much they cost. So I think we need a new denominator and a new language when we're talking about how well am I doing as a company? Right. And then finally, you might even consider some different metrics that you judge your sales and marketing team on, you know, vis-a-vis everything that we've talked about. Is it just, you know, everybody's probably shifting gears back into a commission basis coming out of COVID um, from maybe activity basis during COVID. So do you, do you change it back a little bit? I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about like Skender and Scott, but uh, that might be a consideration too. I mean, I think everything has to be on the table. You know, I mean, whatever your projections were coming into 2022, here we are halfway through the year. And most companies that I know are having to go to, back to the drawing board um, for a variety of reasons, whether it be internal or external in their customer base. Um, so with that said, you've got to find a way to keep your horses happy uh, while not, you know, over whipping them. And if you're still saying, okay, well, we projected 14% growth this year and you better, you better hit that no matter what. And all the indicators say there's no shot at that. Well, you're just going to burn out your team. 
Um, so I think you have to be willing to take on any and all approaches um, to match your success with the times. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I also use this as an opportunity to, um, to talk about sort of the need to have a dialed in marketing team. Um, you know, the, the reality is salespeople like to sell just like surgeons like to do surgery, right? Like that's what they're wired to do. And so having them sit at home because there's no sales opportunities or whatever is a bad place to be. Yes. And so I think, I think you really have to focus in on, okay, what are we doing to make sure that we're getting conversations going? Um, we have a company that we just started working with um, that, uh, that has come to us specifically because their reps can't get access. And these are folks that historically have been able to walk in. They're in a specialty where like they've got the ability to do that and um, they just can't get access anymore. And so that's why they're coming to us. And um, you know, the, the reality is people are still getting access, right? We have another company that we work with. It's in the orthopedic space that has 80 surgeons who are uh, over the last month who are saying, yeah, I'd like to take a look at your product. So it's definitely a world of um, the haves and the have nots. And I can tell you the reps will be much happier in the second company than in the first company and being able to come in and just being able to like touch folks and have conversations with them, opportunities come out of that. So you need to make sure, again, I'm, I'm talking to like a CEO of a med tech company who's um, trying to figure out like, what do I do? You need to make sure that your marketing department is feeding your sales department quality sales opportunities um, or else you're going to start to see a lot of um, a lot of departures that are going to be really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, are there any last things people want to add before we wrap this up? Well, I said to someone the other day, you can't really think about a lot of things too much and wait. You have to have all your minds sort of going together and talking about different aspects. It can't just be the senior leaders of a med tech company thinking through things because you're going to miss opportunities. And it may be a different approach with your product or service as we were talking about. And maybe it's what you can do for providers and in their communities and different things. Yeah, I, I think the, the old adage in healthcare used to be that healthcare is recession-proof. Uh, COVID showed us that it's not. Um, and now this supply inflation issue showing further how sensitive it is. And therefore, if you think that your organization isn't XYZ proof, it, it is. Therefore, you've got to find a way to, to adapt and succeed. Yeah. Um, I would just say it's a three-step process, right? So um, number one is talk to your customers, figure out what their life is like and gain some empathy for what it is to be on the other side of the table where those problems are, what, what the pain points are. So that's number one. Um, number two, refine your value propositions. So when you're getting those shots on goal, what are the things that you're going to want to talk about, right? It could be very product related. Hey, you need to care about my product because it does X, or it could be more sort of meta than that. Um, shout out to Zuckerberg where you know, you're, you're basically, you're, you're talking about supply chain or staffing or whatever, like what's the bigger thing that you can do? So get those value propositions dialed in. And then um, number three is, again, marketing guy talking, right? But 
figure out or, or figure out the right strategy for your company to dial up the volume a little bit to get more touch more touches with qualified opportunities so you can continue to feed your sales force. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the one, two, three punch that uh, I think is going to help folks get through this. And I just want to add something to that. I think each and every organization can find something they can be a leader on. Mm -hmm. um, and everything that Scott just said, if you take that, find out what you can be the leader on and you use that as your guiding light and your customers will see that too. So yes, I was listening to a podcast uh, last night. Sorry, you got me all fired up. And it was, um, so it's Christopher Lockheed um, who does like Category Kings. So that's his, his whole thing. Great, great uh, interview. It's a great podcast. If anybody wants to think about scaling a business. And he talks, he does an interview with the guy that founded Chegg, which is the, the textbook um, company. So we're all, we got too much gray hair in, on the audience. Pierce clearly knows who they are, the intern for Clinician Exchange. Uh, probably has a check t-shirt. Uh, so they basically are like a, you can rent books through them for class, right? For when you're in college. So um, in the process, they were talking about um, how Chegg invented that they were the number one company in textbook rental from like day one of the company because nobody else was doing it. And just like, here's the, the attaboy, everybody should kind of perk up to say, you're number one in something that is relevant to your customer, right? Could be just like Scandard Most Handsome. Like you have something <laughs> that is, um, is, is a competitive advantage. Think about that and then use that in there um, to, to get people's attention. You're number one sub, you know, I was going to make a New Jersey joke, but I can't think of one. I, I, I don't think about it anymore. Yeah, I, I exactly. knew the compliment wasn't going to be one last. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we'll wrap this thing up. And uh, I think everybody's got their homework assignment for next week. And that is, and I'm not talking about talking to your salespeople. Uh, you know, you as a management team have to get together and start talking to your customers. So uh, this is Ted Newell, uh, along with Barbara Strain and Scott Alexander and Skender Darty. Thanks a lot, TGIF, and uh, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks, y'all. We heard from the med experts as they discussed ways to challenge these recessionary concerns created due to the increasing expenses and balancing staffing concerns. Even if some of these changes are due to inflation instead of the recession, it is vital to make every shot on goal count. Make sure that you are speaking to their value proposition, which will allow you to stay top of mind. Don't forget the importance of your small and medium-sized clients and be sure to defend your current position. Tune in next time as we continue to earn our MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.